From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. We missed that. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, I didn't know if I was supposed to say something yet. Oh, okay. You, you said everybody, not like me, like everybody. What? <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome back to another episode of How Did We Miss That? I'm Christine. And I'm John. You are. Yeah. That's awesome, but it's the first episode of the new year, so I'm super excited about it. Yes, it is. Are we doing a new... Well, I'm kind of doing a New Year's theme. How about you? Not really. Okay. Mine's not really a New Year theme, unfortunately. That's Sorry. okay. I feel like we kind of got out of the theme situation from Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year, but I decided not to do a New Year thing. I couldn't really find anything anyway, so... It's all good, man. It worked out, but um, I have a corrections corner from last episode. I told you... The JonBenet Ramsey story that she was found on Christmas Day. She was actually killed Christmas Day, found Boxing Day. Oh, okay. So I just wanted to make a correction for those people that actually really follow that case. I didn't want them to think that I You're didn't, an idiot didn't realize that I had done something incorrect. Was so. she found in a box? Because that she would be amazing. Not. She was found in a basement. Dang. How do you not know the story? My goodness. I, that's why I'm perfect for this show because I missed a lot. You did miss a lot. That's crazy. Well, the story I have for you today is not a New Year's Eve story or a Boxing Day story or Arbor Day story or any other day story. Flag Day. No. No days. There's no days. It in happened this story. on a day. It did. But just not a day. I mean, day it kind of centers around Halloween a little bit, but not really. Okay. So my sources for this story are BBC News, CNN News, and Atlas Obscura, which is kind of a cool website if you look yeah, in there. It is. I am going to tell you the story of Takahiro Shiraishi today. Bless you. Thank you. You did that well, actually. Thank you. I'm proud of you. I practiced it. I listened to the guy on YouTube say it. <laughs> so I think I got it. You even had like a little bit of an accent. That was really good. Thank you. Our Japanese listeners are singing your praises right now. Well, thanks. <laughs> well, anyway, this guy is also known as the Twitter killer. So this struck me because don't you think we would have heard about people killing people from Twitter? I've only I mean, heard of um, like Craigslist and stuff, not Twitter. Yeah, I've heard of Craigslist, but apparently there was MySpace, didn't know about that, and Twitter as well. You didn't know about MySpace? Or no, you no, didn't no, know I about knew my, about oh, MySpace, MySpace, but killing. I didn't know there was a killer using MySpace. Yeah, I had not. Um, did I hear about that? No, I don't think so. All right. Only well, Craigslist. This, this guy was Twitter, and I know it was from Japan, but I feel like we would have heard about this. So it wasn't that long ago. It was in 2017. Yeah, Twitter has global reach. We right. should have, yeah. I feel like, and it also kind of changed their policy as well, which I'll get into in a little bit. So I feel like we would have heard about why that happened. So anyway, this guy is also known as the Twitter killer. He was arrested in 2017, like I said. So not that long ago, after there were body parts found in his apartment. Ew. Yum. Yeah. So the 30-year-old admitted to murdering and dismembering his victims. 
almost all of whom were young women that he met through Twitter, like I said. So let's get into this guy first before we get into the killings like I like to get do. into it, get into it. His neighbors and family members remember him as quiet and being able to hold conversations with adults better than children. Shiraishi's friends told stories of him playing choking games where he and others would strangle each other to the edge of passing out just for fun. Like you do. Some dudes are really into that. What is that? I don't know. Some are into it while they like, you know, masturbate and all that. But no, I'm just saying like guys are into like hurting each other. Like when I was a kid, me and my buddy boxed all the time, like try to knock each other out. That's weird. Yeah. And a lot of people are into this. Let's choke each other till we can't breathe. And right. So I I thought it was funny because like all the adults and the family members remember him as being like this quiet kid. Yeah. And all his friends are like, yeah, we like to choke each other until we almost pass out. (laughs) Yeah. That's his release. I guess. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) After graduating high school, he fell into Tokyo's notorious sex trade. Cause that's like your, normal path to take right graduate high school go into the sex trade in tokyo apparently Apparently, yeah he quit his job at the supermarket so that he could begin work as a scout for the sex parlors in oh my gosh here's another one kabukiko i think is how you say it you're looking at me like i would know (laughs) tokyo's biggest red light district okay so he's got this great job at the supermarket and he's like eh I'm going to go work in the red light district and find people to be in the sex trade. There's probably more money in that, I would imagine. I would think so as well. But still, like, how do you even get into that? I mean, it's just weird. Culturally, it's a thing. So he was initially arrested by police for this, but he was given a suspended sentence. And he was, at the time, struggling with mental illness as well. So Shirohishi confessed to his father that he'd been having dark suicidal thoughts. He began to develop an obsession with suicide, which I found out isn't actually that uncommon for people in Japan. I've heard that with all Asian countries because there's a lot of uh, pressure put on by the family unit and stuff like that. I know in China especially, but I don't. I wasn't so sure about Japan. Well, did you know that it's actually the leading cause of death in men among the ages of 20 to 44 and women among the ages of 15 to 34 in Japan? No, I did not. It is. Now you do. Wow. Thank you. And actually, here, I'm going to take a little detour Detour. uh, away from my story here, because as I was researching this, I learned about this really interesting place in Japan. According to Atlas Obscura, the Aikigara, I'm sorry, Aikigahara, sorry, there's another H in there. Hi. Forest. Hi. I'm saying, I'm I'm getting into the Japanese spirit. That just means okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hi. Anyway, so this forest in Japan has the unfortunate distinction of being a destination for people who are contemplating suicide. I just found this like super interesting and I went down this little rabbit hole. Apparently, since the 1950s, recorded suicides in the forest have been rising at an increasing rate between 10 and 30 per year. Wow, that is a lot. In this forest, just in the forest. In 2003, a record number of 105 suicide victims were discovered there. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, crazy. Japanese spiritualists believe that the suicides committed in the forest have permeated the trees, generating paranormal activity and preventing many who enter from escaping the forest's depths. Oh, we need to go there. This sounds like a good movie. Yeah. Can I just comment on something yeah. real quick, unrelated? Mm-hmm. You're knocking these Japanese words out of the park and usually, I, and I know it's coming. I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up some simple English word, but mm-hmm. you're killing the uh, the Japanese Thanks. Good stuff. I like it. How do you say thank you in Japanese? Uh, arigato? Yeah, is it arigato? Mr. Roboto? 
I'm not sure if that part's part of it, but no, not the Mr. Roboto yeah. part. Complicating matters further is the common experience of compasses being rendered useless by the rich deposits of magnetic iron in the area's volcanic soil. So, I mean, I'm sorry. This sounds like that movie we watched where the guys are like lost in the forest, just keep going around in circles and feeling helpless. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What was that movie? Now I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it anymore. Yeah. But anyway, so this is just like, I'm super interested in this forest now all of a sudden. Due to the vastness of the forest, desperate visitors are unlikely to encounter anyone once inside the so-called Sea of Trees, is what they call it there. So the police have mounted signs reading, your life is a precious gift from your parents. And please consult the police before you decide to die on trees throughout. That's pleasant. That's like when you go to the big bridge in town or whatever and there's signs everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's always kind of awkward when you have your kids and they're like, what is, what's that sign for? <laughs> what is that there? Well, you people like to off themselves here. No worries. Enjoy the scenery. Well, this does not deter determined people from committing suicide in this dense forest. Each year, dozens of corpses are found by volunteers who clean the woods. But many are forever lost in the very thick woods. Japanese authorities have discontinued publishing exact suicide numbers in order to avoid making the place even more popular. According to some reports, forest workers must carry the bodies from the forest to the local police station, where they are put in a special room used specifically to house suicide corpses. I mean, if your forest station has a room just for corpses, I think there's a problem. Some believe that if a corpse is left alone, it is very bad luck for the yurei. That means ghost. Well done. Of the suicide victims. Yeah. Their spirits are said to scream through the night and that their bodies will move on their own. Yikes. Yeah, that's a little creepy. In January of 2018, the forest gained international attention after a YouTuber filmed a broadcast of a suicide victim's body on his popular channel. I thought YouTube took that crap down. They must have because they don't even have the person's name. And when I tried to look it up, I didn't find anything. But come on, you guys, if you visit there, please be respectful. Yeah. When you see a corpse, like just let someone know you don't need to film it. It's that's, a little that's rude. All, that's the... Uh, that's how society is nowadays. Yes. Please contact the local authorities so that they can appropriately handle the situation. The locals say it is a somber place, one where the gravity of the circumstances should not be taken lightly. Agreed. I agree as well. So anyway, thanks for coming down that rabbit hole with me. Yeah, sure. Let's go back to our story. Suicide uh, highway. Right. Back to our story. It was Shiraishi's fascination with suicide that attracted his victims and ultimately led them to their deaths. It's kind of why the suicide yeah. plays an important role. So I'll talk about that right now. Three months before his arrest, Shiraishi moved to an apartment in Kanagawa, I think, which is a suburb of, I guess, Tokyo? <laughs> I'm assuming. I, I don't know. I've the never been. City? I've never been. Yeah, it's a little suburb there. So that's where his apartment is. So Shiraishi used Twitter to lure suicidal women to his home using a handle which loosely translates into English as hangman. And saying he could help them die. And in some cases, he claimed that he would kill himself alongside them. Once in his apartment, Shiraishi strangled and raped them. Afterwards, Shiraishi dismembered their bodies and stored the body parts throughout his apartment. He strangled and dismembered eight women and one man. Wow. Did he leave the body parts on ice or anything? Or was this one we'll get there. smelly apartment? Yeah, I can imagine. So I mean, it would be anyway. Blood, one, blood has like a certain smell to it. Yeah, you know? it's like really metallic yeah. Well, one report said that the apartment was no bigger than a parking space, but I don't see how that could be possible. 
Because I don't know how you could even get like a toilet and a bed and a kitchen in one parking space. So I don't think yeah. that's correct. <laughs> there was a diagram, which I'll actually post up on our social um, of his apartment and where the bodies were found and things. And it looks much bigger than a parking space. But maybe they have really big very parking tiny. spaces in Japan. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, so his victims were all aged 15 to 26, and he killed them between the months of August and October of 2017. The murder started with the killing of a man concerned about the disappearance of his girlfriend. So that was the one man that he killed. He says, quote, I invited him to my apartment and killed him. Ironically, in the end, it was Twitter that also helped to bring about Sharishi's downfall. So remember I told you Twitter was where he got his victims. It also is how he got caught. It's a little ironic and strange, I think. Yeah. The police had gotten involved after a brother of a missing woman started sleuthing how and why his sister had disappeared. Like, I mean, I think any normal person would do. Try to figure out where your loved one is. Mm -hmm. He checked her Twitter account and saw she had been in contact with one of the accounts run by Shiraishi. The serial killer had built up a sizable following on at least two of his accounts. One of them was called I Want You Die. And the other one was called <laughs> A Professional at Hanging. Those seem a okay. little on the nose, like right? pretty obvious, Captain Obvious there. But I mean, if you're looking for it, that's what you're going to find, right? The brother connected online with a woman that was familiar with the accounts and a meeting was arranged. But what Shiraishi did not know was that the police were actually there waiting to respond. Mm. So once inside his apartment, the police found three cooler boxes and five containers containing human heads along with a large number of arm and leg bones with the flesh scraped off. Ugh. Gross. Ugh. Gross. We're going to, everybody listen to that. Oh, hopefully if they've gotten to this point, they heard the disclaimer, but right. we might have to note the time on this one. <laughs> this is pretty gross. I don't think this is as bad as some of the others we've done. That's true. Japanese media called it the House of Horrors. I wonder what that is in Japanese. While prosecutors sought the death penalty for Shiraishi, his lawyers argued he was guilty of the lesser charge of murder with consent because, they said, his victims had given their permission to be killed. Really? Well, yeah, they were on that because thing that said, I want to die. Because they were on said, they want to die. But, interestingly enough, Shiraishi denied his own defense team's version of the events and said that he killed them without their consent. Mm, I see. See how you are? See how you are. The judge found him fully responsible for his actions. Shiraishi told the court that he did not plan to appeal against his sentence. The death penalty is carried out by hanging in Japan. Did you know that? No, that's awesome, though. I'm into <laughs> that. <laughs> Japan actually has more than 100 prisoners on death row right now. Oh, really? Yes. I wonder how many we have here in the United States. It's interesting. It'll be a good statistic to look up. Yeah, that is a good question because uh, all the states are, uh, well, most of them are so soft when it comes to that here. Yeah. Death row inmates are not told when they will be put to death until the day of their execution. Years usually pass between sentencing and an execution being carried out. Interesting. Hmm. The names of those Shirishi murdered were withheld to protect their privacy. So it was really hard for me to find information on this case because of the privacy over there. Real quick, I've got something for you. Oh. You ready? Yeah, I am. That's House of Horrors. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> thank you so much thank you it iPhone sounds so much Translate. nicer in japanese yeah the accent th that is really a beautiful language it actually. is actually quite yeah. beautiful actually it's really lucky these murders had a positive impact on japan as they started the i mean it's not lucky lucky was probably the wrong word to choose good i guess yeah a good outcome yeah. um 
they started the country talking about suicide and how to help those that were considering it. So anytime that mental illness and wellness and well-being come into the frame, I think is a good Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. You know, it's at the expense of some horrible stuff. But at least that's a good thing that came out of it. I feel like that happens here in America, but it's we have such a short attention span here. It's like yeah. five minutes and then on to the next thing. Right. Um, it also prompted some talking about websites where suicide is discussed as well. So I think that's good. Yeah. And the government is trying to introduce new regulations. The murders also prompted Twitter to change its rules and state users should not, and this is in quotes from their own policy, promote or encourage suicide or self-harm. Japan has long battled one of the highest suicide rates in the industrialized world. I was not aware of this. Yeah, I wasn't either. That's crazy. Figures have dropped since preventative measures were introduced more than 10 years ago. But sadly, this is really sad. There have been signs that rates have begun rising again during the coronavirus pandemic. Oh, yeah. That's everywhere. Yeah. So that's my story. And like I've said many times, those should be categorized in the death toll for coronavirus, Uh, in my opinion. Yeah. We have differing opinions. I agree that they should absolutely be talked about as a reason. Oh, yeah, break it down. But I also but would like to get back to normal. So if the numbers keep rising, no, it's I not got a you. Good thing. I absolutely break so. it down. But just like the deaths should be broken down, died with coronavirus versus from the virus alone. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to know as well when you're talking about global fear and everything else. Because if you have really bad diabetes or cancer or whatever, and you get coronavirus on top of it, it it takes your life. Right. Because of everything going on, not just because of coronavirus. If you have nothing and you die of coronavirus, that should be a separate column because that's when you see the virus as being really scary. And then I think all this other stuff, suicide and everything, should be included as well. Right. All right. Enough about that. That's not what this show's about. Are <laughs> you, you done? That was me. fascinating. Thanks. I don't have any um, words, Japanese words, that I will screw up. And you didn't screw up any English words. I I'm did, actually, right at the end. I said, what did I say? I don't know. I don't know. I put a weird A on something. I'll be sure to find it when I edit this. Oh, I think it's a battled weird. I think that's what it was. Well, I do have a themed story, I guess. Not really story, but um, content for you that has to do with the new year. Do you remember back to a young and bright, beautiful 17-year-old Christine in the year 2000? I do. Or 16, I guess. I was fabulous. Yeah. I was turning 21 in the year 2000. But do you remember all the Y2K bullshit that mm-hmm. was big time news back then? Yeah. Now, of course, we didn't have any social media, which would have really changed this dynamic big time, I think. I mean, all we had was the news. But just a brief history on that. The Y2K was at least the part that I knew. There's multiple parts that I'm going to talk about. But the part that was making the most news, I think, had to do with computer systems crashing. Right. And that's all I remember of it. And everybody was freaking out that the bank's computer system was going to crash and all their money was going to be gone. Yeah. And it, well, in my research, it wasn't just the banks. It was the computer system, which most people don't know much about, believe it or not. They claim to know, but they don't, um, was based on a two-digit date system. So the fear was that when it rolled over at midnight to 2000, computers would recognize it as 1900 and would crash everything. Okay. I thought, so I'm glad you said that because this whole entire time I thought it had to do with like coding where it was like 0101 situation and that it would be like funky. No, it turns out it has to do with the way computers work. And like I said, most people don't understand that. So that's what caused 
kind of the panic. What a lot of people don't know about the computer side of this was that Bill Clinton, President Clinton in 1998, and his advisors recognized that this was going to be a problem because that's how the computers were made, just on this two-date thing. And, mm-hmm. they, and they started a committee. They spent, I, th- I want to say it was close to a billion dollars on research, repairs, whatever, to get their systems in order, clean up our own house, if you will, when it comes to the Federal Reserve and power grids and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. we were ready. So there was never really a, a threat or a scare. I mean, in theory, I think it could have happened, but we took care of our shit ahead of time. I can't say the same for other nations. I don't know. But the United States had no problems at all. And a, a funny little tidbit, Clinton's Y2K czar, they called him in the articles I was reading, <laughs> um, he took a flight right before midnight to kind of show the public that we fixed this. It's okay. My plane's not going to go down in a fiery heap. And so he was planning to be in the air when the clock switched over. Okay. And of course, nothing happened, right? It wasn't Armageddon like everybody thought it was going to be. (laughs) I remember. We're still here going through another apocalypse, (laughs) a real one this time. But uh, everyone was scared about that, that the banks would collapse, the power grid would fail, and all of a sudden, here we are thwarted into apocalypse. Well, because of that... Your nutty people, your conspiracy people latched onto that and started going a different direction. So the part that I missed about this back then that I just learned I was today years old was while that all that was going on, there was another group of people, the religious people, the far right religious wackos that were, this was the end days, the rapture is coming. And they were taking that from Revelation and, you know, interpreting the Bible literally Right. A thousand years. Have you heard? Is this familiar to you mm-hmm. or should I start reading? No, no, please. <clears throat> More information is good, but I've heard some of this. Well, I will read some stuff, but the uh, they were convinced that this was the end of the world biblically. And so you combine these two and everybody starts panicking. And yeah. people were, re- I remember back then, people were really concerned that this was it, man. And it was funny because the news, and, and we actually had to watch the news to get information back then, was telling you, no, no, it's okay. But nobody believed them back then, just like they don't believe Isn't the news now. Isn't that interesting? Right? No, I was going to say, it seems like anything the news says, people believe. Well, some people do, right? But you also nowadays, you have your fake news people out there that don't believe anything. Yeah. So it's a it's a kind of a touch and go situation. So my sources for this are the Anti-Defamation League, believe it or not. And we'll get into that in a little while. But okay. I got this directly from their website. Interesting. Tons of information, like a 30-page doctrine written back in 2000 about all this because well i'll just get into it right now they were worried that the religious and right wing far right wing component would strike kind of a anti-semitic white supremacist kind of reaction to this and so they deal with all things if you go to their website they deal with all kinds of kind of hate crime threats and whatever because of the religious implications of this, and I'm going to read about this will make sense in one second. Okay. But that's why they latched onto this, and they were basically doing a full research report on this so people could be informed about the different possible avenues this whole Y2K thing could take. And that's what I found the most interesting about this, because like I said, as a 19-year-old kid or 20-year-old kid at the time, all I heard about was the banks. In the technology piece. Yeah, that's piece. all I, I heard about. I didn't hear, I didn't anything, hear about, about anything else. Yeah, it's crazy how deep this actually went. My other source is a Time Magazine article. And in that article, a podcast was mentioned that I did not listen to, but I looked it up because I thought it was real interesting. It's called Y2K, an autobiography podcast. 
it's all about Y2K. Every episode. Wow. They interview other people that were involved with like fixing the computers and the conspiracy. Oh, yeah, really cool concept. That's pretty cool. I'm sure it's a pretty kind of niche market, but I mean, hey, people have podcasts about anything nowadays, so why not? If you're interested in it, do it. I think the new slogan should be, if you can dream it, you can podcast about yes, it. Yes, I like If you can dream it, you can record it. Yeah. That's good. I like it. We should make I shirts. Like yeah. T-shirts coming. Look for the merch. Yes. Just kidding. Don't. Okay. Certain religious groups that believe in an apocalyptic vision of the end times, this dramatic turn of the century signals tremendous upheaval in the world, a period when chaos will prevail, in particular a small number of Christian evangelicals Mm -hmm. and fundamentalists believe that the second coming of Jesus would occur in 2000, and they were looking for signs of the last days as prophesied in various books of the Old and New Testament, like I said, Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Matthew. Are you familiar with any of those? Revelation. I mean, I know the books, but I didn't know there was any yeah, I, when prophecies I, about the second coming in there. When I looked into this, I didn't. I'm familiar the most probably with Matthew and Revelation, and I didn't know anything about Matthew. I haven't heard anything about. Yeah, that. Yeah, I know I know the books, but I yeah. didn't know they had beside Revelation. Didn't right, know there Revelation's kind of well known as your doomsday biblical text. The year 2000 is also when many expected the Y2K computer bug, like I just talked about, to cause a worldwide issue. Like I mentioned, the bug was expected or feared to cause worldwide problems like food delivery, banking systems, all the stuff we just said, right? In the minds of certain Christian evangelicals, I'm going to screw that up at least once, I promise. The second coming of Jesus and the upheaval related to the Y2K bug are linked together in their minds. Okay. Um, The connection between the start of the millennium and the Y2K bug has led some far-right evangelicals to promote both anti-government and, in some cases, anti-Semitic theories and beliefs to support their vision of the end times. So that's why the Anti-Defamation League back then latched onto this and said, we we better do a case study on all this because all these different groups, sects, are going to grab onto this and make it their own weird conspiracy cult type thing. Like I said in the very beginning, can you just imagine if Facebook and Twitter was around during this? This would have been a shit show of epic proportions when it comes to yeah. conspiracy. And just like we're seeing now with the virus and exactly. everything else, it would have been it would have been ugly. Did you know that there's two types of kind of end days Christian religious thinking? Uh, I mean, I can think. I didn't know until I read this. I'm trying to see what you're talking about. Gotcha. Like one where Jesus comes and takes over there, one where things explode. Is that what you're talking about? No. Th- so they're okay. both the same, but some people believe in premillennialism, okay. which means that there's events that lead up to it. And some people believe in postmillennialism, where it happens after okay. in a series of no, events. No, I did not know that then. And so I think it's really interesting for me to talk about a little bit about both, but the post-millennial people are having a party right now because all the things that were bad about 2020 and things that have happened since 2000, mm-hmm. if you think about all the bad things, world leaders, whatever, they are like, just, this is happening. We were right. Um, and it's kind of scary, actually, when you when you think about some of this stuff I'm about to read to you. So that reminds me of, do you remember the remake of the movie The Omen that we watched? Yes. You know how he reads like the part from Revelation about yeah. all the things are happening and you, they show like actual news headlines from each one? Yes. That's creepy. Yeah, it, it is creepy. And as I was doing this research, I was creeped out a little bit about this part in particular. Okay. These are some of the signs and conspiracy theories out there that were uh, prevalent back then. 
According to many Christian fundamentalists, a key player in apocalyptic drama predicted in Revelation is a world leader who unites all nations in a one-world government, with the purpose of betraying humankind before being exposed that the agent of Satan or the Antichrist, Jesus battles this evil force before restoring his kingdom on earth. Mm-hmm. So not talked about very much by the press because they hate him. And there was an election and coronavirus and everything else. But if you are hip to the news, one of the biggest, best things that Trump did in his term occurred right at the end where he struck peace deals with all kinds of Middle Eastern nations. Unheard of for any president. He didn't enter into any war. So if you're one of these conspiracy nuts, you're like, this is the guy. This is the world leader that's bringing one nation. Hmm. We haven't had any wars, any conflicts in the past four years since he's been in office. That's like the first time in history. And he brokered all these peace deals with Middle East nations a couple months ago. Okay. And like I said, it's not talked about very much because that it's it's viewed as a good thing. And the news didn't want to do that, of course, because they all hated him. Well, you'd think they'd all be like, look, he's the Antichrist. He's the Antichrist. Well, apparently they haven't done their homework apparently. about this because you're right. They could have absolutely said that. Many evangelicals who believe in the literal interpretation of the Bible look for proof that the Antichrist is present on earth today and that the return of Jesus is fast approaching. Before the Y2 bug came to the public's attention, they viewed other 20th century events as signs of the Antichrist present in the imminent return of Jesus. You ready to be spooked out a little bit? Yes. This is where it gets a little spooky. The advent of communism is one of their signs or proof. The establishment of the United Nations after World War II and the later creation of the European Union, and former President George Bush's statement during the Gulf War about establishing a new world order were seen as evidence that the Antichrist was at work forming the one world government predicted in Revelation. Okay. Prior to all those, we had none of that. (laughs) And so these these fundamentalists are saying, hey, they're just checking off the box and it it follows Revelation, like exactly. Kind of like you said in that movie where there's headlines matching... (laughs) The Seven Signs of the Apocalypse. It's It's, it's a little scary. I'm scared now. One of the books that has had the greatest impact on apocalyptic conspiracy-oriented thinking is Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet, Earth. Originally published in 1970, it has sold about 30 million copies. Lindsey told readers that the establishment of the United Nations, the creation of the State of Israel and the unrest in the Middle East, and the rise of Satanism were sure signs of the end times. He analyzed biblical passages to prove that these events and others signaled the coming of the Antichrist. Since his book was published, he and those who share his beliefs have have continued to point to an increasing number of signs that the end of the world is near. So if you type that into Google, is the end of the world near, you'll find all these things, I'm sure, pointing you in all these different directions. Right. Like I said, thank goodness none of that was around in 2000. You had to watch the news or look and read the Bible yourself or look in the encyclopedia, I guess. But... Nowadays, you can really put together a roadmap of uh, some creepy shit going on. Yeah. Those are kind of the two groups that you have there. So you had the people that were very focused on the technology piece that, you know, either didn't follow religion or didn't buy into it. They didn't, you know, believe in it, I guess. Then you had the far right wing religious wackos that didn't care about the technology piece, but did care about the, the rapture and all that. Yeah. But then you had this interesting group of other Christians who not only saw the impending Y2K problem as technology um, with the bug and everything else, but they also saw it as a technology tool itself. 
This is really going to creep you out here. Okay. If you're not creeped out yet, now's the time. Okay. They saw it as a tool that will allow the Antichrist to seize power. The Wall Street Journal reports that Noah Hutchings, the author of a book called Y2K equals 666, and a radio preacher from Oklahoma City, suspects that computers, with their ability to know all about us, whether we've been good or bad, might be a tool of the Antichrist to bring down civilization. I can see that working already. Right. And so that's <laughs> when I read this line, I, I literally not even joking. I got a little bit of chills because I've said on this show before about the social media being the devil. I've watched the social show, whatever it's called now. I can't remember. Social Dilemma, I think, yeah. on Netflix about the algorithms. This is exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's creepy. Twitter and Facebook and all those things, learn your algorithms. They know exactly what you're doing, what you like to see, what you want to do. And because of them, they're tearing apart families and people, causing all these enemies. Yeah. Social media has definitely become, the world has become a a worse place since social media. And I can't take my eyes off of it. I know, right? Right? I don't know. There's still some really good stuff in there that heartwarming things and things that should be showed. But I I agree. I agree. Well, one last thing to just close this out because I mentioned it at the beginning is that hate groups and and extreme and the extreme right, even those with a strong religious component, which most of them oftentimes have, they did not embrace the apocalyptic or biblical predictions as a blueprint for the world would look like after January first, two thousand. For the most part, these groups were more concerned with the technical aspect of the computer glitch and how prepared the country is for the chaos that such a crisis would bring, even though many of the extreme right offered a measured and even a disinterested view of the Y2K situation. When they assign blame for the cause of the computer glitch, they often rely on conspiracy theories laced with anti-Semitism and racism. Those groups were more concerned that the world leaders, like the there would be a, a race war, Russia would attack us, mm. all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and so they were less concerned about all this. But the point of my stories tonight and to tell you about all of these things is I missed all of that. <laughs> did you? Yeah, miss that? I thought, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing most people did as well, because like I said, the, um, the information wasn't as available as it is now. All I knew about was that Y2K bug, and I was a little worried, I'll admit, like, oh shit, everything's going to flip over and be strange, and we won't be able to get gas tomorrow, whatever. I remember my mom, the biggest worry wart ever, was paranoid and terrified of it. Yeah, I remember my dad went and took all our cars to get gas in them. Yeah. It's the only thing I remember. I'm sure they did other things. Um, so I don't think they were that worried about it. I, I was I was a kid. I didn't care. It wasn't a thing for me. I think I remember worrying that like all my instant messages and stuff would be gone. But I want to say at that time in my life, I was just learning how to use email. And so that tells you just kind of where the world was. No smartphones, no social media. Yeah. Email. I think I had a pager. That's how people could get a hold of me. Oh, no. I had and a cell phone by then. So even the technology piece, I'm surprised that at least I was and most people were worried that much about it. But uh, the rest of this stuff would have scared the absolute shit out of me. Okay. Well, that's all I got. All right. The The takeaways from this, social media is the devil. They're watching your every move. It's the Antichrist at work. I think we already knew that. Delete your Facebook today, but not before you follow us. Yeah, don't delete the Facebook. The, just, in, the Instagram, the Twitter? Just do more. Good. Yeah, more kids and dogs and food, maybe cats in there. But then how would you find any of your murder, death, kill stuff? All your scary stuff you're media. into. 
Well, you follow some of the other podcasts and stuff, right? Yeah, but I don't do stories they do because this is how did we miss that? How it, oh, thank you for reminding me. Yeah. I'm the one that sticks to the theme here because I missed all of that. I'm, I missed this too. That's true. 2017. We got a lot going on. What are you going to do? We do. All right. I'm all set. All right. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. And if you would like any more information, pictures, anything about these cases, stories we've talked about today, please be sure to follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That? And a big shout out goes to our theme composition, Audio Anywhere Productions. You can find them at audioanywhereproductions.com. Until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other.